Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Project Future podcast. How do you appear credible in front of your audience? My guest this week is Krista Powell Edwards, known as the credibility expert, who has made it her mission to help individuals, HR teams and organisations to communicate their credibility so they know it and show they know it to increase both their influence and impact. In this episode, Krista explains how an interest in performance and achievement developed into a career, why perhaps we don't know what a dog is, why self-knowledge is even more important if you're self-employed, how to get to the stage where your clients value what you deliver, what to do when the phone doesn't ring, why when you're self-employed, nobody can state what you're worth, how she grew by working overseas, the benefits of going out of your comfort zone, the four C's that will make you appear credible, why we should always consider the intended outcome, why effective people don't always have the impact they deserve, and why you need to communicate your credibility and what it is you've achieved. Krista's best advice is to completely understand your comfort zones. Let's have a listen. Hi, Krista. Welcome to the show. Great to be here. I'd love to start by hearing a bit about your background and indeed how you came to get into the area that you're so passionate about. Okay, well, it's a long journey and hopefully I can share some of the the lessons I've learned. I actually started a business in 1995 with Enterprise Allowance, which some of your older listeners will remember. And um, I basically left a well-paid job to do teacher training to get a professional qualification, found out that teaching didn't um, suit me and I became a trainer and I started training in IT, in computers, then got some contracts to deliver things like time management, so personal effectiveness skills, got very interested in performance and achievement of customer service, so much so that That encouraged me to research service quality. On the way, I decided to take myself seriously and I got a professional qualification, which was the Institute of Personnel Management then that had thirds, um, employee development, which was the training and development aspect of it, employee relations, which was the law and employee resourcing, which was recruitment and selection. And from that really went from personal effectiveness skills to to try to work out what 
impacted on performance of people in terms of their mindset, their motivation, what also impacted in terms of their job design, what they could allow to do in work, um, and also what the organisation environment was in terms of helping or hindering performance in work. I'm very interested in mindset, so I did some NLP, which for people who don't know what NLP is, it stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming, and that's all about how you influence yourself, your state management, how you think about things, and also about how you influence other people, so how you can communicate with them and build rapport. And as part of my NLP, I was required to create an original model and I was watching some people being interviewed and one person was the chief executive of BP and um, he was sitting being interviewed and he didn't come over as very credible, very uh, confident. And from that I thought, oh, you know, what is it that makes somebody appear credible? And as part of my NLP qualification, I researched and created a model of credibility. So it's what people need to communicate to be perceived as credible by their audience. And um, what I've done with that is develop the model. I'm writing a book on it. I'm writing lots of articles and um, I'm very much um, hitting the market with my credibility expert persona and products and writing yeah i love it and i didn't interrupt there because you took us through that journey so so well and and in in such a a structured way i can absolutely see where you've gone from the well-paid job to the teaching that didn't quite work out as you wanted it to and then how you found your niche effectively you know with the performance improvement and how you know how you found that and thought yes this is the right angle for me so was there a light bulb moment, you know, in those early years when, you know, you thought that performance management and performance improvement, this is where I can help and this is where I really enjoy helping people succeed? There was a light bulb moment specifically in terms of the impact of training and development, which is what I love doing. Um, I found I'm not a very good teacher of children, but actually I'm Uh, an effective teacher of adults because they have different motivations and I was doing some customer service training for a housing association and one of the people said to me we want to give customer service but we're not allowed to and that was a real wow you know it's I I'm um, I'm doing these training courses and these people are motivated to want to perform well but something stopping them, their organisational structures, whatever they are, are stopping them achieve this outcome. And that actually led me to research performance as part of a master's thesis. I had to do it as part of a master's thesis because I had to have a carrot that would um, be the uh, reward for all the research um, and looked at what it was that made individuals perform. So what factors impacted on them? What are the factors that help in terms of job design? What are the factors in terms of recognition, reward strategies? And and really, service quality was what I was looking at, but the factors that impact 
relate to everything. They relate to performance in terms of personal motivation, wanting to give customer service. So if you want to do something, if you like doing it, for example, there is uh, a strong link between job satisfaction and job performance. So, and that can apply to everything. So I'm very, very mindful now of these factors when I design and deliver training or even consultancy or coaching. It's very much thinking what, what has to happen to enable this outcome, this performance to be achieved. Yeah, uh, square pegs and round holes comes to mind as well. It's like, you know, does it go all the way back to to the recruitment process as well to ensure that, you know, the, the right people are being brought in for, for such roles? Is that something that you look at? Absolutely. One of the best books I've ever read, it's not a book for the, uh, for the faint-hearted, I have to say, it's called Six Blind Elephants. And what it talks about is how we scope and categorise. And one of the problems with recruitment is there's often a bias. So there's an expectation of who should be fitting this job. I'm, um, I was looking at doing um, a job for an organisation I um, really admire, and it was a full-time job, which I don't want to do. So I actually contacted them and said, are you willing and able to do job share? And they hadn't got that as a on their recruitment already. So I was just thinking how many people have been put off by not applying for this job who were excellent potential talent so absolutely recruitment it's the, the problem is it's not even deliberate it's often the norms it's how we do this it's expectations it's how people will scope or um, so for example we have what we call an archetype for everything and that is our what we see so i do an activity where i ask people in communication courses um, to think of a dog and um, I said, you know, I'd like to think about a dog. Don't tell anybody this is your dog. And I said, we all know what a dog is, don't we? And they'll go, yes. And I said, are we sure? We're all talking the same language. And they go, yes. And they're starting to think, what is she going on about? And then I'll say, OK, let's go through and talk about our dog. And in every case, every dog will be different. And what happens is because we have so many uh, pictures of dogs and we've experienced so many dogs we have to have some sort of shorthand when we communicate so you will have what's called an archetype dog that if I say dog to you you will think of and that happens with everything it happens with politicians it happens with managers and the less like the archetype you are the less credible you are to somebody because they'll think oh my dog's a, a big one so that's a little dog so that's not really a dog and um, and that's the sort of bias that we're dealing with. So it's it is very much about getting the person in who fits with the culture. Uh, they call it job fit. You know, they, they fit with the culture. They fit with the job design. They have the personal characteristics, the skills, the capabilities. However, of course, a lot of organisations think job fit is how we are now and they they um they recruit in their image which of course then leads to a lack of diversity which is a problem as well yeah indeed and and certainly look, looking at it from a slightly different angle it's people either looking for a job or indeed looking to start their own business it's about finding the right fit uh for, for them isn't it you know it's it was one of the early revelations in my career was when i took the the Belbin team roles you know mm. and that, that that showed me to be a shaper 
and you know it gave me this whole you know a few pages of you know the aspects of a shaper and why I'm a shaper um, and clearly the certain types of roles that you're, you're best fit to, to go into and one of those was a project manager which was, was kind of you know the right thing for me and it, it took me at least four years after I took building team roles to work out I should be a project manager so it doesn't always come instantly as well um, but but certainly you know I think the diversity aspects that you talk about can of, of course come in so many different ways uh, as well you know one, one person you know that I uh, respect highly is Joanna Rawbone um, who did the foreword for Project Future and, and she's very firmly speaks about the extroversion bias uh, that, that we have in in society and the, uh, and you know she's she really promotes the introvert you know personality and and to to help introverts get that platform that they don't often have in order to to show off their skills as well so yeah lots of different ways you can think about it absolutely it's i think any self-knowledge is beneficial whatever you and i think if you're self-employed it's even more important because you have to be aware of your strengths and areas for development and um, speaking as a zero complete a finisher for example in belby <laughs> so in terms of your your experience you know you've 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 clearly found your niche uh, you've you've found a place where you're brilliant at what you do and your clients value what it is that you you deliver so if, if someone's out there thinking you know how do i get to that stage what kind of advice would you give them to to, to think about how they can cross that river if you like or, or cross the, cross that bridge it's mm, a, a great question two things come to mind one of the things that really surprised me when i started in business and it was a few years ago before emails that was that the phone didn't ring and that if i was going to make a success of my business i would have to be proactive so i think that is mm. absolutely key i i know people who have been self-employed with you know groups working with me who have actually gone back to employment because they didn't feel able or willing to do some of the things that will be required so that can be going to network events and, and selling yourself if you're if you're used to you know everything coming to you and and you having the the credibility and the status of a nice job title then having to go to clients and be in a different dynamic of power it, it can be quite challenging and this have to you have to be proactive you you have to be visible you have to really not expect to be seen overnight you have to keep at it and the second thing i would say linked to being proactive is be resilient so be open to not winning um open to people picking your brains calling you for meetings and then having absolutely no intention of giving you business, <laughs> those things happen. What I try and do is reframe it, learn from it, try and not make that mistake again. But I think being proactive is the key thing. And if you're not able or willing to be proactive and go outside your comfort zone, I think it's, um, uh, it, it isn't going to be easy because you will not have the positional credibility, the role status that, that gets things being brought to you. 
And one of the things I like about being self-employed is nobody is stating what you're worth. So when you're given a job, somebody determines what your value is. And when I've worked in organisations, you can work really hard, be really effective, and you you might be on the same salary or even less if it's um, if it's a sort of job where you have pay scales and people have gone up them because they've been longer there, longer than you in the in the organisation. Whereas if you're self-employed, you are absolutely in charge of your destiny, and and I find that. Uh, exciting and liberating that I can make my income rather than being told what to expect by other people. Yeah, that's, that's a great point, and I, I think it's it's very much part of the mindset shift, isn't it? As well, mm-hmm. and, and in terms of, you know, I've I've spoken with with clients in terms of, you know, not thinking about time for money, you know, not thinking of your your hourly rate think of it in terms of the value that you're offering to the clients and indeed where they are in terms of what it is that they're looking to deliver and how your kind of knowledge or insight or whatever it is you can you're providing for them you know how it helps them to get to to where it is that they want to be rather than say you know i my time is worth x amount per hour you know it's it's a it's a big mindset shift but in order to thrive i think as as your own boss i think that's a key part of it yeah absolutely You've had some a wide range of experience uh, over the years in terms of some of the clients you've had and 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 did where you've been. So uh, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about your time in the UAE and oh. in terms of the work that you did there for the Abu Dhabi Police Force. It was one of the best experiences of my life, and the reason it was was that it was very very different to the UK. What happened was that a good friend, a good colleague in the CIPD, a a fellow volunteer in the CIPD, the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development, which I volunteer, uh, contacted a few people and said, I'm working in the UAE, in Abu Dhabi. If anybody's interested in doing some training, five-day training courses in Abu Dhabi, please make contact. So being proactive, I said, yes, please. That's what you have to take every opportunity, you know, if you, things like that are offered to you, you have to say yes and um, and then think about it later and decide later. So I said yes and uh, I had to submit my, my qualifications, my um, all my certificates. Uh, I had to do a, a whole CV of where I worked before. And then in August, this year, I got uh, an email saying, we'd like you to do some work in, in Abu Dhabi. And instantly I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, yeah, uh, uh, should I go? <laughs> uh, six days away, eight hour flight, working with an interpreter, working with a completely different audience, Emiratis, and completely different culture in terms of you know that the, the, even the days were different because it was Sunday to, to Thursday so I really had second thoughts and it was my husband I think who wanted I think the house to himself for a week who said go 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 so I, and I went and um, <laughs> it was incredibly challenging you couldn't train in the same way as in Britain, I was working with a translator, so I had to obviously make sure everything I said was understandable and clear. 
Um, I certainly learnt quickly that every time I went again, I would do a contract as soon as possible. But it, it was one of the best experiences because after doing that, you can do anything is my my, my view. You know, you uh, and and I think one of the yeah. things that's really important when you are in, in a, you know self-employed unemployed as well but it's going to be even more impactful and it links to this proactivity quality that i mentioned before is you're going to have to go outside your comfort zone you're going to have to do things that you're not obliged to do because you can if you're your own boss can say oh i won't do that but by doing those things first of all you learn so much about yourself about different cultures about training and development and you also, once you've dealt with it and, and found that you can do a course of five days and that you can engage a group who are challenging to engage, then your confidence in your ability increases. And in terms of credibility, one of the components of credibility is conviction. So a credible person will have a self-confidence and conviction being conveyed in their language in their nonverbal communication and the phrase with this um, that I quote is if you don't believe it why should I so if you're going out there selling your wares or promoting what you think is important to you have to come over confidently you have to communicate that you have to believe it so any opportunity you have to stretch yourself will then increase your self-confidence which will then be communicated to any customer, any audience you're dealing with. Yeah, I, I love it. And, you know, you won't have heard this yet because it's it's not been released as, we, as we're recording, but episode 20 with, with Bryn Emmons, he spent some time in Japan after university and was like a three hour drive away from the, the nearest, you know, other person that was on the, on the, on the same, uh, same education um, language exchange scheme that he was. And, you know, his best advice was, how it's such a great experience to live abroad or to work abroad and the the cultural exchange the, and what you'll learn from that and how you'll take that forwards go when you go back or come back so yeah I, I love what you've said there and how how in a week you know it sounds mm-hmm. like you you grew significantly as a as a as a professional and, and indeed as a person I expect you know sort of having gone through that and it sounds like your your memories are very positive of it as well yes I mean they it's challenging I mean um it was I wouldn't say it's easy um it was quite nice because you could go away you got paid you know uh, after your training and they gave you the money and and you know you had like um instant money that you could bank and, and rely on so it was it was great in in, in terms of cash flow I, I was finding you know it did take a couple of days to get over it and and it was challenging you really had to be and again this links generally I think is you have to have the energy and that positivity and to be you know bought in in, in terms of people buying into you and and that does take you know it does it takes it out of you but saying that you know you go you know what to expect it's five days you come back and maybe have a couple of days off to recover and and that's that's the deal it's, it's just a different deal to working full-time or, or whatever yeah no that's brilliant and you've referred to it a couple of times now so i'm sure there's people listening saying tell us the four c's tell us the four c's so what are the four c's of your credibility model okay well well the credibility model the four c's are and i'll do them in alphabetical order because there is absolutely no priority or importance to either one 
are capability. So capability is the knowledge and skills that you have, that you need to communicate that you have to other people to be seen as, as credible. So that could be your ability to do some particular skill. It's also communicating you have some knowledge. So essentially that's your expertise. The C connection. So connection is the relationship with your audience, the person who you are trying to be credible to, because everybody who you meet, you are you are credible to somebody else. One of the issues with credibility is that you may think you're credible and it's actually the audience who will be thinking you're credible or not. So uh, you really have to be thinking about your audience. Mm -hmm. And connection is the relationship. It's about building the, the relationship that is required with your audience, with this connection that is required to be communicating your credibility. Then there is conviction. So that is your belief in what you are saying how you're saying it, and then congruence. So congruence is the essentially the alignment of your nonverbal communication, your words, your tone. So in terms of congruence, there's been very famous statistics by Meherabin about how we communicate. And People will say it's 55% by nonverbal communication, 38% by tone, and 7% by the words you say. Actually, what is important is the congruence. So I, I, for example, will do an activity where I will stand in front of the group and I will put my head down, put my arms around me, and I will say in a very low voice, I'm really confident. And then everybody will laugh. And I said, do you believe me? And they'll, and they'll say no. And I said, well, I said the words. And what I'm making the point is that if there is incongruence between uh, what you're saying, how you're saying it, and your nonverbal communication, then we don't trust that person. There is distrust. So that's the congruence. And... What I found is that politicians, for example, who are fantastic to look at and see, are they communi communicating credibility? They'll be really good on the congruence. So there'll be a match with the nonverbal communication and their tone of voice and the words they say. They'll be very good at connection. So they'll make some allusion to the audience that makes us feel we're connected with them and we, we know them. And they're very good at communicating their credit uh, capability. So they will give you knowledge and skills that say, I do know what I'm talking about as a politician. But conviction, they're not usually as good at because conviction is that belief that emanates when you really believe in what you're talking about. And I would say that's the one that's most difficult to be faked. So those are the four and essentially, what you're always trying to do is achieve an outcome of credibility. So in terms of being credible, 
you so for example you want to go for a job uh, and you've got a job interview or you're going to see a client and you'll have an outcome which might be to be interview well and be offered the job or it might be to get the work and that outcome is then what you try and focus on communicating your credibility to achieve that outcome so to get this client to buy into you, you would find out about that client. Your client is your audience. What does this audience uh, want from you, expect from you? What are their interests? What do they look like? What ways can you communicate that there's some connection there? And then you would be thinking, well, what capability would be required? What knowledge and skills will be expected of me? How can I make sure I communicate in a congruent way that I don't appear nervous or that there's a mismatch with, for example, what I say and, and how I look <laughs> in terms of, for example, um, formally or informally. So your image isn't congruent with other aspects of your presentation. And, and finally, the conviction. So your client knows you actually believe in what you're talking about, that you you have passion about it. I love it. And, and like every good model, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's those, those four things. If, if you remove any one of those, you fail, don't you, effectively in terms of being credible. And I love how you say that conviction is often the hardest one as well, because I, I, I can imagine working for a, you know, working for a company that you, you don't quite believe in or you don't particularly care about the product and then having to try and sell it. You can have the capability, you can know the audience and what they're after, um, you can align the words and the non the nonverbal side of things, but if you don't believe it, then you won't be able to sell it, you know. And so, I, I, yeah, I absolutely get it, and uh, I love it. I think it's a wonderful model. Well, one one of the things that I, I get most frustrated by is the fact that there's some very very effective people in the workplace, but because they don't brag, boast, if we're using those words. Um, yep. I had one of uh, a light bulb moment was the fact that in terms of getting promoted, 60% of the weight was actually given to exposure and visibility. 30% is image and 10% is performance. Now, if you think about my focus on performance and people being effective, that had a big impact because I'm thinking, well, this is one of the issues that's stopping people who should be Mm being promoted or having more impact in organisations because they're not visible and don't have the exposure. And one of my programmes, my my sort of signature system programme is know it and show it. So what you need to do is know it, but also show you know it. And the model, the credibility model is designed to actually help those people who maybe think, well, why do I need to communicate my capability, what I've achieved? Well, you do, because your capability, shouting about what you do, what you can do, won't be heard unless you make people hear it. So there's there's a phrase that resonates with me, is that you can have the best mousetrap in, in the world, but if nobody knows about it, it's no use. So it's very much about mm. enabling people. I mean, introverts may be, um, but people who, and, and I come as a woman here because I've not been encouraged to go, oh, I'm brilliant and I'm highly qualified and I'm you know, really brilliant at what I do. Those are messages that I have been brought up are not quite right. 
and that's absolutely fine until it's not and if if your lack of communicating credibility impacts on being promoted or getting a job and, and you're the person who should be getting it because you perform really really well which I see in so many organizations that the the person who performs really well is too useful to be promoted so they get stuck in you know, a convenient niche for somebody else. And that's that's not helping them achieve their potential and organisations to achieve their potential. So the model is designed to actually enable organisations and people have more actually highly performing people. So, yes. And it, it's brilliant. It's, it's a wonderful model. And I, I know you've published in, in various publications, but you're, you're writing a book, aren't you, at the moment? I am, yes. Uh, it's been... A long time coming and again it's it's one of these things you say oh I'm writing a book and you can always leave it till tomorrow leave it till tomorrow leave it till tomorrow and I have to say Covid was quite useful for me <laughs> um, in terms of I'm I, you know I did a lot of training face-to-face training so of course that disappeared and uh, it actually gave me an opportunity to focus on writing my book so I went on a couple of challenges proposal challenges boot camp to really take myself seriously and get this book written one of the motivations is that the more the model's known the more strategies people have to communicate credibility, the more out there it is, the more impact it's going to have. So I have very much focused on getting everything in place, setting my office up to help write, making sure it's in my diary to write, if not parts of books, some articles about credibility. So and uh, as a holiday has a rescheduled holiday in April has been cancelled, I am going to spend a lot of that two weeks writing, I have decided. Fantastic. And I wish you every success with it. And I, I know full well that it can be very, very difficult to find that time. And uh, having, you know, kind of procrastinated over mine for, for three years before I took some time out and, you know, wrote it in seven weeks. So it's uh, it can be incredibly difficult to to do in amongst everything else. And uh, yeah, what, what a wonderful thing. And I say the impact, as you say, I, I think is, you know, what it's all about. And the, the more people know about it, the more people can can make a success uh, of whatever it is they choose to do. Well, thank you, Krista. It's been brilliant hearing from you today and to go through how you've got to to where you are and indeed the very exciting things that you've got coming up. Uh, So before we finish, there's always four questions that I ask every guest. Uh, So I'd like to know, what's the one best piece of advice you give to someone thinking about starting their own business today? Okay, I would say the best advice is completely understanding your comfort zones you will be required to go outside them and you've got to be willing to do that. You're going to have to be proactive. You're going to have to do things that are challenging that you don't want to do. And you will have to take risks. You will have to do challenging things. So I would say really understand what might get in the way of you doing things that will need to be done and and have strategies so think about what you're going to do and what reward you're going to have so an example would be for me was that when I set up 
I noticed there was a brochure, a Business Link had a brochure of training providers that offered courses in a particular area. And I remember sitting, phoning every single person in that brochure to say, I'm independent, I'm looking for work, are you interested in meeting me? And that was a really scary thing for me to do. Um, but actually, I got one very good response, and this person mentored me, and um, I worked with her, and eventually I got the contract that she had with a business link when she retired. So that got me a foot in the door. So you really have to do those things you, you might not want to do. I, I, I call it hold my nose and jump in the water. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great point. And uh, I say certainly one that that I can empathize with, you know, having kind of gone through that. And it's so, so difficult and so different being your own boss and having to to do many of those things that you won't have had to do before. So, yeah, I say have to to be aware of that is one thing. But then, as you say, to have the strategy to to get over that hurdle or to or to jump in, you know, whatever it may be, I think I think it's excellent. And and the sales side of things or indeed the putting yourself out there to be visible when you spoke earlier about being proactive and being resilient and, and you know, having to just push that forwards. Um, I think that can be often little things like that can be the difference between success and failure. So yeah, a, a great tip there. So what do you know now uh, that you wish you knew when you first started your business? Okay, I would say you really need to think about how you manage your time. I remember when I started, networking was the thing to do. People were saying, you want to develop your business, you've got to network. And I remember thinking, okay, I could spend all day networking. If I networked at lunchtime, then often it impacted on the morning and the afternoon. So it really had to be value added. And, and what I would do then is say, well, if I network, will I get business from it or will I learn something from it? That was my strategy to make that decision. Yeah. But you really have to manage your time. You have to value what you're doing with it and how you're investing it. So rather than do the urgent and the non-important, you really need to be thinking about the important tasks that will move you and your business forward. And also how you let other people perceive your time. So if somebody wants to arrange a meeting with you, you really need to make sure that you will get some return on investment from that meeting because you can have lots of meetings with people. It's, it's you know, you can kiss lots of frogs before you find your print, your print. So have some strategy of how you're going to plan and manage your time, but both from yourself, how you're going to make sure you value your time and how other people value your time and say, say no um, more than you think you should to yourself and other people I would suggest I, I think that's great advice and and time can so easily disappear um you know it, it really mm -hmm. can and I'm a big fan of networking but it certainly has its place and and there's you know as you say it does take time either side of it either side of the of, of the networking event you know in, in, even in terms of of tiredness you know and, and sort of just using your energy and yeah to, to frame it in those two ways that you suggested there that it has to have an outcome um, I think everything has to have an outcome, doesn't it? And you know, it's one of the things that we've got from this conversation. And and yeah, I, I think that's a, it's, it's a really good advice there. And so not to, not to not do it, but to be aware of what the benefit is by doing so. 
great stuff. And is there a resource that you'd recommend uh, for someone at the start of their journey? So a, a book, a website, you know, whatever it may be. Well, I'm an avid reader and book recommender. And the response to that, I suppose, in terms of books, a great starting point with some very, very good principles that can be applied to anybody would be Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It really puts the why in place and the how and the what. And then two books that I found incredibly useful for me to be productive and perform were The Power of Focus and The Success Principles, both by Jack Canfield. They are excellent books, making you aware of good habits, bad habits, what you need to do to focus and what you need to do to achieve success. I think they're, they're really good tips. And certainly, you know, it fits in with the framework, doesn't it, in terms of the personal improvement. And, and I can absolutely see why <laughs> why those books resonate with you and, and the, the message that, that you get across. So, yeah, great stuff. And finally, uh, is there a guest that you'd recommend for a future episode of the show? Well, I've been doing quite a lot of work with a lady called Jane Hubbard. And uh, Jane, I met through doing some work for her previous company, which was Chester Zoo. And we actually met when she set her own business up. And apart from having some really interesting stories about the zoo and other aspects of her life um, because Chester Zoo of course a lot of you will will know but obviously it's uh, you see it from different perspectives like every, any organization when somebody's worked there we, we did some work together as calling ourselves the hat and t-shirt of HR and, and basically I'm I'm the hat I'm the sort of knowledge person and she's the t-shirt she's been there done that at the t-shirt to use the phrase so got some very practical <laughs> approaches, yes. Um, I, I mean, one thing I would suggest is is partnerships is and working with other people is a really great way of um, of uh, bouncing ideas, and that's what I've done with her. So I'd recommend her. She'll certainly tell you what it's about, warts and all, and in a practical, uh, straightforward way, and and uh, her stories of her journey in and her experiences in HR. Fantastic, thank you. As as you know, uh, Krista, I've had a conversation with Jane once before, and uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I'd absolutely love to to have her on the show. So uh, I will I will follow up uh, accordingly. So, uh, thank you. And just before you go, if people would like to get in touch with with you, find out more about you, uh, where should they go, and what should they do? Well, my website is thecredibilityexpert.co.uk, and on that you will find everything about me um, you want to know my my track record my clients my testimonials plus lots of resources book reviews and uh, a link to subscribe to the newsletter i do a weekly curating of credibility newsletter my email is and contact details are all there but if you um, want my email now it's krista with a k at thecredibilityexpert.co.uk I'm also more than happy to chat about any issue of credibility. I, I believe in being the change I want to see. So very happy to talk to people about any issue, any area that they want to talk, you know, with absolutely no obligation. I think it's a, it's an important thing to do. And I also do some webinars, that, which are free, because uh, um, I, again, believe and being the change I want to see, which are both first Fridays, but they're, they're accessed by my website. But please 
attend if you wish. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and I've learned a huge amount during this conversation as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Krista has such a strong message and the benefits of working with her are so clear to see. The need to be proactive and resilient to make what you want a reality is such a great reminder that what we want is never just handed to us. Equally, appearing credible and taking steps to ensure that we do is an excellent platform to help make those things possible. If this episode has inspired you to pursue the idea of starting your own business, start today with my three-minute quiz at robcurr.co.uk forward slash quiz. On next week's episode, I speak with Matt Turner of Clownfish Events on Disrupting with a Smile, which includes the remarkable story of how he pivoted his business during 2020. So subscribe now to get notified of this on Tuesday morning and like and share to help spread the word. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.